Thanks for joining us here in Centralia, Illinois, where we are a community of people who are not perfect and don't pretend to be. Our hope and prayer is that through the following message, you are encouraged, blessed, and inspired to meet the Lord in a powerful way. If you're here visiting, you'll notice in front of you on the seats underneath you, there are some Bibles. If you happen to be here and don't have a Bible, I'd encourage you to pull one of those out. And if you don't own a copy of God's Word, I'd ask you to open up the inside cover, and there's a message there that says, if you don't own a copy of God's Word, we want you to take that one that you're holding home with you. We think it's that important that everybody have a copy of God's Word. Speaking of God's Word, and... Mark chapter 12, I'm going to read verses 28 to 34. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, and seeing that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. In verse 30. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said to him, you are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other besides him. And to love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself. Is much more than all the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Verse 34. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I just uh, ask that I do diligence and that I share your word. Lord, I pray that the Holy Spirit would just uh, touch all of the hearts that are here, those that are watch it online, and I pray that every one of us would hear from you directly. In Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 12, verse 28, the scribe approaches Jesus. He sees what has been going on in that Jesus has been part of an argument. The Pharisees and the Sadducees had been trying to trick Jesus all afternoon. And it was obvious to everyone that every one of their questions, every one of their curveballs, Jesus hit out of the park. This is probably one of the scribes that was um, more senior, sat in the back, watched, kind of pushed the other ones forward to ask the tough question. Until finally he comes up and, and he asks what he thought was a tough question. In verse 28, he asked these words here, which commandment is the most important of all? Now, wouldn't it be nice if it was that simple, that, that, that God would just show up at the foot of your bed one night and tell you exactly what he wants you to do, exactly who he wants you to talk to tomorrow, exactly which job you should take, exactly what kind of car you should drive, exactly how the visit at the doctor's office is going to turn out. Wouldn't it be nice if God would show up at the foot of your bed and give you that kind of information? 
You know, I spent much of my life growing up in the church, and I wanted to have an encounter like that with God. But here's the reality. All of the people in the Bible that had that kind of an encounter with God, they jumped out of the bed and crawled underneath it. And most of them struggled living out what God had clearly and plainly made to them. And so here is this very religious man, and he comes to Jesus, and he asks him what he thinks is the most important question. What commandment is tops? And then Jesus answers. And he answered in the next verse, and he said this very simply. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, what he's saying there is, he's not talking about the Trinity, although that is true. What he's saying is that God is the only God. What he's saying saying is, God is first. Two weeks ago, I shared with you about uh, putting first things first, and when it comes to Jesus... This is what this whole series, I Am Second, is all about. It is to lift Jesus high. Because Jesus said this to his disciples, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men to me. And just a few days later, he was lifted up on a cross. I was with somebody, I think it was this week, and we are talking about the medical device that you see where there's a serpent wrapped around a cross. And they're wondering, hey, you know, how legit is that? That comes straight from Scripture. In Exodus, when the children of Israel were not listening to God, snakes had come out and bit them, and they were suffering, and many were dying, and the rest that had been bitten were about to die. And God had told Moses to take a cross, a staff, and wrap a serpent, and they they formed that, and said, anybody who will look on that will live. Fast forward 4,000 years later, and it was a different cross. It was a different staff. It wasn't a serpent. It was the Son of God. And the reality is this, that anybody who will look upon him and recognize that he is the Son of God and that he died for us, we too can live. And once we make that decision, then we realize that God is first. He's our first in order. He's our first in priority. He's our first in pursuit. And and I've got an ideal for the bookstore. Have you been to a football game and you've seen those, we're number one? I'm, I'm thinking, you know, maybe I could put God on there in this big foam. And when I get preaching crazy, you guys could just start waving those number ones. No, I won't do that to you. (laughs) Jesus continues in verse 30. And he says, you shall love. Now, a lot of times when we hear that word love, especially in our Western culture, we have watered it down. We think of cupids. We think of hearts. We think of February 14th. We think of somebody that we're in love with, and then we're not. We think of... Love is a a word that nowhere comes close to this word that Jesus used. 
And he says, you shall love. See, here, love is an action verb. Love's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. I shared with the couple that love can make you blind, but marriage is an eye-opener. It'll take the blinders off very quickly, doesn't it? I hear some amens out there. I hear a couple old me's. But love is an action verb. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. And so what Jesus is saying here in verse 30, he says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. I just want to share with you a little bit about what in the, you know, so you see that word heart there. We are to love the Lord our God, the number one, the only one, with all our heart. That word could easily be translated desire. There's a negative word that we translate that means that same overwhelming desire. It's called lust. We should love the Lord our God with all our lust. Now, I know that sounds funny coming from the pulpit. But that's exactly what it means. That overwhelming, uncontrollable desire. That's how we are to love God. Well, he doesn't just stop there with our desire. He also says that we're to love him with our soul. Our soul is who we are. Most of us think that we are a body attached to a soul. And the reality is this. When you were conceived in your mother's womb... You were a soul that was attached to a body because this body one day will cease to exist. Some of us are closer to that day than others. And I don't mean because of our age. I mean because of the behaviors that we do. I mean that there may just be something where uh, you leave here today and, and we don't see you tomorrow. Had that encounter last week. Spent some time with a, a lady in her house, and by the end of the week, she's in eternity. None of us are promised tomorrow. But we are to love the Lord our God with all our soul, with all of who we really are. And then he also said that we're to love the Lord our God with all of our mind, what we think. That's simple enough. And then he closes it with this. We're to love the Lord our God with all our strength, with all our physical capacity. Now, if you take each of these and you put them out of balance, you get, you get into trouble. Because if you take the desire, put it out of balance, you uh, may have uh, ambition. And I talked to you last week about ambition. Ambition's great. Ambition too far destroys people, relationships. Ambition... Not far enough, and you look lackadaisical, lazy. And so we got to strike that balance, but God wants us to love with that balance. When it comes to our, our soul, most of us give ourselves labels or we accept labels that other people give to us. And then we define ourselves by those labels. You use it all the time. 
It's usually in the bathroom when you look in the mirror, when no one else is around, and rarely do you say it out loud, but you've given yourself a label or you've accepted a label that maybe a parent used against you, maybe a friend. When our mind gets out of balance, you find out that our, your thoughts drive your behaviors. If you wonder why you do bad things, it's because you think bad thoughts. If you wonder why you don't do good things, it's because you don't think good thoughts. I know that's simple. But that's what Jesus told us through the Holy Spirit in Philippians 4. He says, think on these things. Whatsoever is good, pure, true, holy. When our strength gets out of balance, it could hurt us. You know, um, exercise is good, but the Bible tells us that bodily exercise profited little. Now, many will take that and say, well, that's the, why I don't go to the gym. This is in the scripture. <laughs> All he's telling you is that whatever you're doing in the gym one day isn't going to last for eternity. He didn't say don't go to the gym. Didn't say it don't exercise. But it's only it's got a lifespan on it. Matter of fact, you all know that it, it's probably got a lifespan of about 90 days when you stop going to the gym. Those muscles that you used to stand up started falling down. The muscles that when you would lift big heavy weights, you'd say, oh my. Today, when you bend over and try to pull the same thing, you're all me. But here's what I want you to understand, that all four of those line up. Start with the heart. Start with your desire. Your desire leads to who you are. Every one of us, we're right where we put ourselves through our personal desires. Good or bad. If you are at a low point in your life, you say, Ronnie, you don't understand my circumstances. I understand your circumstances, but your circumstances don't dictate your desires. I've seen people that have had cancer thrown at them, that have gone through that. I used to work in radiation therapy. And there were people that had diagnoses that, that would just rattle your world, and they lived through it. And there were others that came in with a diagnosis that was nowhere. Man, they, they had a 70% chance to survive. And they put upon themselves victimhood, and they died. Now, now those are hard words, but, but folks, we die many times before we ever get put into the grave. So your desires end up being who you are, who you define yourself as. And who you define yourself as begins to be what you think about all the time. And who you think and what you think about all the time drives your behavior and ends up being who you are physically, who your strength is. And let me just be candor 
with you right now. All of us have failed at this test. I mean, I, I don't want to ask anyone to raise their hand because I don't want anyone to lie right now. But how many could say that they love the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, with all their mind, and with all their strength? We would be hard-pressed to pick one of those and say, yes, I got that one. But that's the definition of all. And here's the reality. None of us can live up to that requirement. And there's another word right after all before each one of those descriptions, and it says your. And, and, and this should give you a little bit of reprieve because it's with, you need to love the God, Lord God with all your heart. See, you don't have to do it with the desire that you see someone else exhibit. You just got to live up to the amount of desire that God has given you. You don't have to live up to the titles that other people have given you or, or that you've accepted. You can just, the one that your creator gave you. This is the power of I am statements. If someone says, I am hungry, what do they do? They go eat. If they say, I am thirsty, what do they do? They go get something to drink. If they say, I am an alcoholic, what do they do? They go get an adult beverage or two. And if they say that I'm a workaholic, what do they do? See, we've given ourselves these labels, and we've used these I am statements. What would happen if we would change that I am statement to I am a child of God? You see, you'd, you'd behave differently. I am a follower of Christ. What do followers of Christ do? They follow Christ. Come on, this is a Geico commercial. <laughs> That's what fishermen do. They tell tales. With all of your mind. You know, I understand that there are many of us in this room who struggle with depression, with anxiety, with believing that God loves us as much as he does. But all God needs you to do is take what you've got and give that to him. Maybe find Philippians 4.8 and think on those things. Whatsoever is good, pure, lovely. And then finally, strength. Aren't you glad that you don't have to live up to somebody else's strength ability? You just got to live up to your own. You just got to love the Lord God with all your strength. When I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this spectrum in that many different people have different strengths. Uh, if you follow Josh Cross on Facebook, he works out with Kimball all the time. And Kimball pushes him and, and asks Josh to do more today than you did yesterday. Now, see, that's fair. But if Kimball asks him, hey, I want you to do more than I did yesterday, might not be fair. Minna, I am second group, and there is a sweet lady in her 70s who's in this group, and she's doing it with all her strength. She's reaching out to her family. She's reaching out to her neighbors. She's reaching out. I mean, what we talk about in Bible study, she takes with her. It doesn't matter where she goes to a medical appointment. 
she takes God in there with her. She walks across the street and takes it to her neighbor. It was funny. She was telling us, the neighbor told her, well, you know I'm not that spiritual. And she, she didn't miss a lick. She says, well, you know what? This isn't about being spiritual. This is about having a relationship with God. And they was, well, thinking about last year, this time, Josh had taken me out hunting. It was in the afternoon on Saturday or Friday. The morning hadn't gone well. All I saw was a squirrel. He wanted to set me up where there was going to be deer walking close to me. Matter of fact, if he could have, he would have herded them up and just, you know, shoot them out around the tree. And so we're walking down into the woods, and I'm curious to where he's going to set me up. And, and he stops at this tree, and there's these pegs on the tree. And then he points up, and there's this, to me, it looked like an eight-inch square box. And he's like, there's your stand. I'm a man. You know what a man does? Man climbs that doggone tree. So I got, a, I got on that tree, and I start climbing. I'm about halfway up, and I just realized you know what? I ain't shooting any deer from up there. And I climbed back down. I said, Josh, I'm just going to be honest with you. I said, I'll get up there and I'll stand there all day long. I said, but I ain't about to shoot a deer. I'm not going to shoot a gun on that thing. <laughs> and so, all right, hang on. I got another place for you. And he took me to the perfect place. Three deer came by. You were here last year. You found out I was sleeping for the first two. But I wasn't on the third one. You see, I knew my strength was not standing on that eight-inch deer stand. He says it's bigger, but I don't believe him. And I'm, I don't want to go up there and find out. Matter of fact, where I was in the woods yesterday, I could see it. And it got smaller as I looked. I'm like, I can't believe. I, number one, it was a lot higher this year. I don't know. Did he go move it? And it got a lot smaller. But here's the beautiful thing. Just like Josh fed into my strengths, your heavenly father only wants you to do what you're strong enough to do. He only wants you to love him as strong as you can love him. What does that mean? You, you may be in a stage of life where uh, it's hard right now. You, you may be at a very low strength point in your life. And God doesn't want you to go out there and hit a home run God just needs you to get out there and let the pitches come at you. He, he just needs you to get through today. He says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. And, and maybe you're here this morning, and you've been beating yourself up. You've been putting a label on you that's just not true. You put a label on yourself that the creator, your creator, has not put on you. We continue in this Mark chapter 12, verse 31. He says this, the second command is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the topic today about I am second is to love God and love people. See, when it comes to loving God, the bar is set high. Matter of fact, the bar is so high, none of us can reach it. 
None of us have successfully loved God with all our heart, soul, mind, and spirit. It's, and, and folks, I don't want to lead you in the wrong direction, but I don't think you'll ever be able to do that. Well, what's amazing is God doesn't base his love on how well you love him. Here's what's the amazing thing about Christianity. God set a standard that none of us can live up to. He says, look, for you to spend eternity in heaven, you need to live a perfect life. None of us have done that. I don't need to go far. We all realize that we've made mistakes. We all realize that we've told lies, that we've stolen, that we've hurt. And that same God who put that standard that you'll never be able to reach, he says, but hang on just a second. I'm going to send my son. And yet that same God who made that mission impossible, he gave us the solution in his son, Jesus Christ. So love God, the bar is too high. Love people. What was the standard? Love them like you love yourself. That's easy. No, it's not, is it? I think sometimes that bar is higher than the love your Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. When I was in Bible college, the, the dean of men, he sat us down, and, and I wasn't married at the time, but he, he was giving some advice to some of the men that were married, and um, he said that you need to, here's how you love your wife, man. He says, anytime you spend a dollar on yourself, you spend a dollar on her. I'd get expensive in hunting season, wouldn't it, John? So this guy asked a question. He goes, well, I just bought a new car. He goes, well, go get you another one. He goes, I can't afford another one. He said, well, you couldn't afford the first one then. Now take that and think about how we love our neighbors. I'm not even going to get into the story of who our neighbors How do we love ourselves? It's so easy. We find time. We make time for ourselves. We find money. We make money for what we want. But when somebody else in the family wants something or needs something or requests something, all of a sudden, ah, you know what? I don't know. I don't think that, that we're going to be able to. Well, that's the standard that God said that we're to love others. And, and here I'm going to give you some bonus uh, material this morning. And if you want to demonstrate love to somebody, love their children. I'll tell you what, 
you love on either of my boys, and man, I just, I'm going to think you're the greatest person going. You love on either of my grandkids, and I'm pretty sure you're going to heaven, and your salvation is secure. You live in a blended home, you love on your spouse's children like they're your own, and you'll find out that there's nothing blended about your family. Easier said than done, folks. That's the standard that we're supposed to love each other with. I've heard this said so many times. I love them, especially talking about a relative, but I don't like them. I've been to those same family reunions. But the truth is this, that we cannot possibly love God without loving his children, his creation. And that's why he left us here, folks. He left us here to tell our friends, our relatives, so that they one day will be one of his children. So to, what I want to do is I want to give you something practical and, and then send you home. If you've got your hot sheet packets, I ask you to open that up. And inside there, this wasn't that amazing, church, your generosity. There's a sheet that's folded over. It's called My Thanksgiving Binge. Now, you don't have to tell me. I know what's about to happen on Thursday. We're going to eat. We're going to wake up thinking about eating. And we're going to eat. And then we're going to sleep. And then we're going to watch football. And we're going to eat some more. And then for the next 10 days, we're going to be making turkey sandwiches. And when the gravy runs out, we're in trouble. Well, folks, I'm not talking about that binge that's about to happen. It's called my Thanksgiving binge. And here the reality is this. That gratitude is the catalyst to live out a life of love. I love when I see that science has caught up with Scripture. If you do any kind of Google search on the word gratitude, there are studies galore about the power of gratitude, what it can do in your life. They're catching up with what Scripture said 2,000 years ago. See, gratitude does not mean pretending that everything is going to be fine or being in denial about something has gone wrong. Bad is bad. Wrong is wrong. But gratitude chooses to focus our attention on what we appreciate. And so what I would encourage everybody to do, look, you can thank me later, but I did it on both sides of the sheet of paper so that if you make a mistake, you don't have to stop. You just turn it over. That's what we do here at Crossroads. We've been turning the pages over. My Thanksgiving binge, relationship gratitude. Well, it has like five spots there. What are five relationships that you are grateful for? Financial strengths. Spiritually, I'm grateful that. Opportunities available. I hope you're thinking about 2022. What opportunities are around the corner for you? 
And folks, let me just tell you, you could look at this and this could put you in a spiral. You're like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how bad it was. Or you can start seeing the opportunities with all that bad that's happening. What are your financial strengths? Maybe your financial strength is you don't have a job. But maybe you're also debt-free. Those are two things that go hand in hand. What are some future blessings that you see coming your way? What are two activities that you enjoy? All right, here's a good one. Issues I'm glad I don't have. What about some simple everyday things? Technology blessings. Favorite aspects of my family. Two strengths. Best memories I'm glad to have. Health and body positives. Creature comforts and conveniences. And there at the bottom, people who have helped me. Tommy Newberry in his book, 40 Days to Joy-Filled Life, provided this. See, here's what happens. When you start filling this out, you're going to start experiencing the love that was just talked about, the two great commandments about how to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your spirit, strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. See, we need to spend a little bit of time finding the good things going on because they're there. Sometimes you just got to look. Many of us are gifted at finding the cloud inside the silver lining, and instead we just need to be looking for the silver lining. Here's what science tells us, that if you believe something good has happened to you, that you will do one of two things. Either you will say thank you, or you will pay it forward. Pay it forward is just a fancy way to say love people. When you start realizing all of the good things in your life, it makes it a whole lot easier to love on the people who have been mean to you, to love on the people who have hurt you, to love on the people who you're mad at. Gratitude has that power. Don't believe me? Let's see what Jesus said about it. First John 4, 19, it tells us that we love him, we love God, because God first loved us. Y'all know what that's like in marriage. You think you both were in love when you said, I do. Now, I'm going to give Joey and Gabrielle the benefit of the doubt that both of them are madly in love. But many realize that you grew deeper in your love through the years. You thought you like you were at the apex of your love on that, that wedding day, but you weren't even close. The same thing is true for us in loving people, in loving God's children. That, that we think that we love them, but we're not even close. And I hope that you'll take that Thanksgiving binge and you'll spend some time going through all Fill in all of those answers. Share that, especially with any names that are on there. You'll be blessed. It'll be better than any turkey, stuffing, mashed potatoes, gravy, green bean casserole. 
cranberry sauce that you'll have this week. See, Jesus talked about water that if you would drink it, you would never get thirsty again. I'm talking about food that you can thrive on for the rest of your life. And gratitude is one of those meals. And I hope, I pray that you'll fill that sheet out. That you'll realize how much Close with this. Mark 12, verse 34. He said this to the scribe. He said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. That statement is true in this room today. There are many of you who have been very religious. You've gone to church. You read your Bible. You pray. And yet, you may not have a relationship with God. And just like that scribe who had spent his whole life pursuing a religious response, he found out that it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And I'll close with this verse and just two chapters earlier in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 through 17, it, it says this. Let me read that. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Now, I, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to give you all the benefit of the doubt that, that you're not murderers. Verse 16, by this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, that we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Verse 17, but if anyone has this world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. You see, here's the reality. The reason why... We are not to love the world and all the things that are in the world is because the world will pass away. Years ago, in 19, in this early 70s, you could have bought stock in Apple. $100 would buy you five shares. Today, that same $100 would be worth $70,000. That, that would be a great investment. I don't know if you've heard about cryptocurrencies. There are cryptocurrencies out there that, that you can get into and you can make a lot of money. There are some cryptocurrencies you get into and you don't make a lot of money. You lose a lot. I, I don't know if it's Apple that is where you want to put your investment or a, a cryptocurrency that you want to invest in. But here's what I would tell you. That if we invest in the world and our love for the world and the things of the world, we're investing in a company that's going to go bankrupt. Because one day it all ends. One day we stop breathing. One day this body detaches from the soul. And that soul enters eternity. And so I ask you this question. How close are you?
Don't miss eternity. Eternity is way too long for any of us to be wrong on that. The Bible has made it so simple for us. So simple. All we have to do is believe that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. That he lived a perfect life. That what we couldn't do. And that he died on a cross. He was lifted up. The thief on the cross beside him believed that very same thing. And Jesus said these words, today you will be with me in paradise. We're not promised tomorrow. I hope that all of us know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we can move beyond being close and knowing that we will spend eternity with our creator with our Father, the one who made it impossible for us, but also made it possible if we're willing to submit and to, to get rid of our pride. As the worship team comes forward, I would encourage you, in the seat backs in front of you, there's the orange cards. They're called decision cards. If you have not made that decision, if you don't know that you will spend the eternity in heaven, I turn that card over. It has three very simple steps, the ABCs. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus. Believe in your heart and you will be saved. Would you stand with me? How many here will promise that you'll, you'll do the Thanksgiving binge. And you're not talking about eating. Talking about the, the handout. Join me in prayer. God, we love you so much. We love that you have been so merciful to us. And God, yet here you give us this command. The greatest of commands is to love you with all our heart, our mind, our soul, and our strength. Lord, you know the hearts. You heard them all morning long as they were thinking and they were wanting to love you more. God, I just ask that your Holy Spirit would speak to them. <coughs> Show them. And then, God, you told us that the second great command was to love our neighbor as ourself. Lord, I know we fall far short of loving you as the way that we should. And, God, I believe we far, fall far shorter loving our neighbors. God, I thank you for a church who has stepped out in faith and we want to love our neighbors and, and feed 1,000 Christmas meals on Sunday or on Christmas Day. I thank you for their generosity. I thank you for the times where we try to love our community. And God, I ask this, where we fall short, help us, show us. Let us be a church that lifts the name of Jesus high. 
Let us be a church that loves our neighbor like we love ourselves. And God, let us be a church that loves you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. Lord, I pray that you would just hear the praises that we are about to lift up to you as we sing Christ magnified. In Jesus' name, amen. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life, and we would love to continue with you on that journey. You see, it's our mission to lead people to become fully devoted followers of Christ who walk by faith and not by sight. 